Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Father, thank you for your tender kindness, God. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning, Jesus. We just say, come, Lord. Have your way in our hearts today, Jesus. Do what only you can do, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. We ask that you would just be the one, God, that we need in every aspect, in every way, Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, that I'm your servant, Lord, and so everything that comes out of my mouth, God, is, is what's flowing from your heart, Jesus. And so we glorify you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, right? Man, I, I think I made my sermon maybe a plug for base camp. <laughs> and I didn't realize that while I was preparing preparing it and then I uh, got the text yesterday. But I just wanted to share with you guys some things that I've been meditating on for a few years now. And uh, finally, you know, even with speaking different places and things like that, you know, finally feel grace to, to share this because it's for this house. And, uh, and so I, I just want to walk through this together with you guys. And I'm very excited about what God is doing. But there is definitely a shift that God is making in the body of Christ as a whole. And it's so important for us to line up with what he's doing right now and to see it from his perspective. And um, so what I want to do is I want to start off by sharing some things that the Lord has showed me over the past few years um, and, and, and then go from there. So, <clears throat> again, base camp, amazing time um, of just going deep in God and, and uh, learning about him with, with family. And during that time, it was April, I think the first time that we did it, around that time, March, April, so it was 2016, and the Lord showed me something during that time, and we were, I don't remember if we were actually at base camp or if it was in a dream, but the Lord showed me a table, and inscribed in the table was the word family, and in that vision, what I saw and what I sensed was a table that had been strategic throughout salvation history. And it was a setting almost like in the pioneer days of old where the, the table was the epicenter of life, that you would come home from a hard day's work and you would sit at the table with your family and you would share a meal together. Then in the fall of 2016, again, base camp, fall session, the Lord started dealing with me more, and he showed me here in the sanctuary, he showed me this banqueting hall. In the banqueting hall, there was this long table, and it was filled with food and there, there was a banner, and it was just high, and there was a banner over the table, a purple banner over the table, reminding me that his banner over us is love. And then lastly, back in 2008, I was getting ready to share a message with a youth group, and the Lord showed me in a dream what I felt like was like my mansion in heaven. And so it was like a Sam's Club, outdoor Sam's Club, 
you know how they have all the high racks and stuff like that and food everywhere? But instead of, like, food on the racks, it was all these empty reptile cages and tanks and stuff like that for me. In heaven, I can have all my pets. <laughs> but not only that, he showed me this long white table. Again, it was like an outdoor setting, like it was somebody's patio or something like that. This outdoor table that was set up and, 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 and ready for entertaining and hanging out with family, right? So I want to share with you guys today from the subject matter, matter the table. So what we're going to go into today and discuss is what is the table, what's on the table, and who is at the table, all right? So what is the table? Like the first vision, the table is the epicenter of life. Back in the day, like I said, they came home from a hard day's work and they shared a meal together. And in early Americas, this was the time that the family instilled the values, the, the mother and the father instilled the values of the family into their children. Like Ryan was just talking about a few weeks ago, those core values. This was the time where those core values were implemented into the family. And the table was instrumental in salvation history because that was the place where faith was birthed into the family. Where the testimonies of God, where dad had a Hard day's work, but he comes down and he sits at the table with his family and he said that my body is tired, but my inner man is alive. Like nothing I've ever felt before. The mercies of Jesus have been with me all day long. Mom, she's tired from chasing 20 kids. Because back in the day, they had 20 kids because you needed somebody to take care of that farm. <laughs> She's tired from chasing 20 kids. But she says that while I was washing the dishes, Jesus swept into the kitchen and met me in such a sweet way. These were the things that were shared at the table that were instilled into their children at the table. And it's a no-brainer that that atmosphere and that value on family mealtime is not shared in our culture today. And it's an easy correlation to make that since that is not shared as a value, then the faith values are not shared as a value in our culture today. Easy correlation to make. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 9. I'll turn to it here. You guys familiar with this one, the Shema? Last week it was uh, uh, 
sorry, I forget, I don't know his first name, but Jessica Lawson's father was talking about how in Jewish custom, they have strong heritage because of the way that they train their children, right? And so this here is the Shema. So verse 6, let's read this. I mean, verse 4, I'm sorry. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I have given you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Lord commanded them to teach the values of faith to their children at all points, at all points of life. And they've done that well to a certain extent. Let's get this. Your table is the epicenter of life and life more abundantly that will be instrumental in salvation history for your family. Salvation history is being made at your table. Now, I'll get in trouble if I don't preface this. This is something that I'm working on. This is something that I don't have, like, <laughs> downpacked by any means. Right? And I'm not saying by any means, you know, as far as women, that you have to have a hot meal ready to go when your husband walks into the door <laughs> or anything like that. For me, growing up, my dad was a pastor, and so he was busy all the time, and so we ate out a lot. But still, even with eating out, the table was something special for us. It was something special for us where we could get together, and, and, and there were values that were instilled. Of course, there was more that could have been instilled, but there were values that were instilled. So much so to the, to the point in, just re, in writing this message, I, I look back and I realized that even for me as a young kid, when my sister went off to college, we didn't do that as much anymore. Like the family was kind of circumvented a little bit, so we didn't do that as much anymore. And then I started to wane a little bit. That was about the point that I started to wane a little bit when that table element was broken. So I was, and I was also that kid that was like, Mom, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Always asking. Calling her before she got off work. As soon as 4 o'clock she off work, hey, bro, where are we, we going to eat tonight? <laughs> where are we going to eat tonight? <laughs> I wanted to know what was going to be on the table. I was anxious to know what's going to be on the table. Are you guys anxious to know what's on the table? So in the second vision that I shared with you, we saw the big table in the banqueting hall, and it was full of all type of food, but notably fruit. Notably 
fruit was on that table. And like I said, it was a long table. Maybe hundreds of people could have sat at this table like would have been in a, a palace back in the day. And fruit, grapes, so we can make grape drink. <laughs> Everything was on the table. Did you guys actually know that Adam and Eve did not eat meat until after the flood? You guys knew that? So, not that I'm saying that we've got to be vegetarians or anything like that, you know what I'm saying? But it was an element of original intent that they did not eat meat. Genesis 1.29. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you. I believe this aspect of original intent is indicative of a spiritual reality that the only thing that should be on our table is that which is sourced sourced from a garden wherein the only thing that matters is intimacy with him. I'm going to read that one more time. I believe that the aspect, this aspect of original intent is indicative of a spiritual reality that the only thing that should be on our table is that which is sourced from a garden wherein the only thing that matters is intimacy with him. One thing that absolutely must be served at the family table is the fruit of the Spirit. It must be served at the family table. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's read it. I'm slow at turning, so, but if... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. I pray for this fruit of the Spirit. I pray for it every day. That, Lord, fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. Because I need it bad, y'all. I need it really bad. Fruit comes from what? Trees. Fruit comes from trees. A while back, the Lord opened my eyes to something that just absolutely blew my mind. I was meditating on the fruit of the Spirit, and I don't even know how, if it was driving to work one morning or where he, where he showed me this, but he showed me that our respiratory system is actually shaped like a tree, and it's called the respiratory tree. Can you guys put that image up? That is our lungs. That's what our lungs look like. Proverbs 18.21, the power of life or death is in your tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. All too often in our families, we are not cautious with our words. 
we let words just fly off of our tongue haphazardly. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Do you guys realize that the this blows my mind, this strikes my heart with wonder that the God of the universe created my lungs to look like a tree because he knew that this part of my body, this organ in my body was producing fruit with every breath. Producing fruit with every breath. But I have not guarded it as such. We all can say that. One of the very first things that the Lord taught me when I got saved and I really started coming to him was out of James, you know, and, and guarding your tongue because it's like a, a, a little, a little uh, rudder that guides a big ship. Like horses are bridled. Big animals, but if you can bridle your tongue, then you can control that big animal. The Lord taught me that. And so for a while, I thought I was doing really good because I wasn't as crazy as I used to be, and I didn't talk as crazy as I used to talk. But there's another element. We talked about joy last time. I don't even know. I, we talked about joy last time, and the last time when we talked about joy, the Lord... Um, because I used to clown, you guys. I used to talk about people so bad. And the Lord cleaned that up in my heart and in my life. And sometimes in my head, not so much. <laughs> and, uh, but, and he told me last time when we were talking about joy that, you know, for a long time I thought that laughter was laughing at others. But laughter for me now is laughing at the expense of the enemy more though more so than laughing at the expense of others. And uh, but like I said, so the Lord has done a, he's done a, a good work in my heart as far as me controlling my tongue. But when it comes to my family and it comes to things, there's still those moments where I let my tongue be unbridled. We have broken the spirit of family in our culture because we have not considered that there really is a fruit-producing tree within our physical body that is serving a dish of either life or death with every word that is pushed out of our mouth by the power of our lungs. So what's on your table? What's on your table? Is it negative words or is it life? I was praying for someone a while back and I saw a tree with bad fruit on it. And this was a younger person that the Lord was uh, showing me that this tree represented all the negative things that had been spoken over this person's life. Just bad fruit, just black, nasty fruit hanging on it. 
And they had all these negative things that had been spoken over that person's life. And the person was eating from the tree. Eating from that tree. Taking that bad fruit. And some of us have been eating from the tree where negative words were spoken of our life. And therefore, by default, serving from that tree to our family. By default, it's not that we do it on purpose, it's our default. What is default? It's the operating system when the system that's supposed to be operating is not operating correctly. But I believe that God wants to uproot that tree, uproot that tree of negative words, of hurt and bitterness that we sat at the family table or even never even had a family table. But all we heard from dad and mom was how worthless we are or how, how much of a failure we were and we couldn't get anything right, whatever the case may be. Mistakes, whatever the case may be, eating from that tree. But I believe today God is going to uproot that tree and plant a tree of life for you and your family. Jesus. So we touched on the respiratory system for a little bit. So let's test on, touch on the reproductive system real quick. So in the natural, fruit or seed is a byproduct of intimacy, right? So intimacy is what produces fruit. I'm not really going to touch on the reproductive system. That's just kind of a joke. <laughs> what did you say? Right, right. <laughs> Ryan said, don't show no photo of that. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. <laughs> but the fruit that we need to sustain our family it's a byproduct of intimacy. Where do we gather fruit? In a garden. We gather fruit in a garden. This was so cool when the Lord showed me this. Again, he brings me into his banqueting table full of fruit. And his banner over me is love. He brings me into his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. Song of Solomon's 4, verse 13, in the Passion Translation. Your inward life is now a sprouting, is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I am near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Here are the nine. Pomegranates of passion. Henna from heaven. Spikenard, so sweet. Saffron shining. 
fragrant calamus from the cross, sacred cinnamon, branches of scented woods, myrrh like tears from a tree, and aloe as eagles ascending. Your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you, like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. So good. Then may your awakening breath blow upon my life until I am fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spices of your life within me. Spare nothing as I make as you make me your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come and walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. Come taste fruit, taste the fruit of your life in me. This is so good. God is here saying that your lungs that I breathe the life into is a garden that produces sweet fruit that is the fragrance of aroma to me. He is amazing, guys. <laughs> it was his intent for our lungs to produce fruit when he breathed that first breath into us. But this is what blew my mind. That here in Song of Solomon's, the, the, the chapter of, of intimacy, the chapter of the love relationship between the bride and the groom. In this chapter, he's talking about this. And he says, here are the nine. How many fruit of the Spirit are there? Nine. <laughs> Song of Solomon didn't know that Paul was going to one day write Galatians and describe these nine fruit of the Spirit that we need to walk in the Spirit? But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, invites us to a garden If you're struggling with your wife, check your garden life. That's good, right, babe? I'll have to, have to work on that. <laughs> check your garden life. But there is a table that there must be fruit served on, fruit of the Spirit. But where do we get that fruit? If we're not in the garden with Jesus, then there will be no fruit for our family. There will be no sustenance that will allow our table to be a table that is instrumental in salvation history. If we're not in the garden, I've been singing that all week. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Get in a garden so you can get some fruit. And young people, this is not just for people that are married. 
You've got to, got to get in a garden now. So by the time the garden may be this big right now, but by the time you have children, it can be as big as this sanctuary. So there is fruit that abounds. Only in time with him that he plants within the garden of our heart the very fruit that we need to serve our families at our table. So, fruit is what's on the table. We get fruit from the garden, but who gets to enjoy it? Who gets to come and enjoy the fruit from the garden? You know, Our table is not just for us and our family. And that last vision that I shared with you, I have a really big family. I've got my uh, granddad had 13 kids. So I've got like 50 plus cousins. Um, and so when I saw that vision that first time of the big table in heaven that was for my family, that what was, that's what was on my mind is my actual family. That this will be a place where we come and we hang out in heaven when we make it there. Some of them still praying that they make it there. Okay. <laughs> but God is expanding my vision, showing me that his family and the people that he links me to, the people that I get in the garden with him, I receive fruit. Those fruit flow from my lungs and influences somebody else's life. Influences somebody else's life. They come, that's them eating at my table. That's what's going to be shared there. It's going to be a party, y'all. I'm going to hang out with y'all, too. We're going, hey, and if you want to hold my snakes, this cool. You know, I'm going to have a bunch of them, so. <laughs> Ryan's like, nah, bro. <laughs> but the Lord is expanding that. And I want to dig in here for just a second. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Not only use, not, I'm sorry, called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have a responsibility to invite our neighbor to the family table and to the, allow them to experience not only the fruit, but the freedom 
that has been made available in Christ at the family table. Everyone in here has had that one friend that's like, comes over to your house, hey, what you cooking, bro? What's for dinner? <laughs> What's for dinner? I was a mile down the street and I smelled chicken. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> Y'all had that friend? Am I the only one? <laughs> but when we get things right, Around the family table, people are going to come around to see what's for dinner. They're going to smell that aroma from miles away and come see what's for dinner. What's cooking over here? Something smells delicious. When we get things right around the family table, But people aren't smelling the fragrance because the church has done a terrible job of exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit. We've done a terrible job exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit. But why have we done a terrible job exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit? It's because we've held the law above the fruit. We've, we've exalted the law above the fruit so that if they don't get it right, even if they do have a heart of compassion and love, but if they don't get this, 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 this right, then they're not welcome at the table. Jesus. The family table is a place of freedom for all. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Another way to say that is in those things, there is complete freedom. We allow the law of sin and death to trump the laws of love and kindness. This is... This is really good, and this is something that the Lord is just kind of, I don't really get it yet, and I don't like to talk about things until I fully get it, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. But that, that when I start to get in the garden, and I am constantly fed a diet of the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. I'm free. I'm free. There's nothing that can hold me back. And Galatians 13 talks about that we were called to be free. So we were called to eat of the fruit of the Spirit. You can put it that way. We were called to eat of the fruit of the Spirit. But don't be selfish with that fruit of the Spirit. Don't be selfish with that fruit of the Spirit. It says, it says don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another. Serve one another. And we have not done that. We've taken the Jesus loves me, literally. <laughs> this I know, but the Bible tells me so. <laughs> Jesus loves you. This I know. 
I know I'm goofy, y'all. <laughs> but it's something about the table and eating that brings out the best and the worst of people. Right? It's just something that at that, at that family table, it's like, you know, for example, some of y'all have gone out to eat with us, me and my lovely wife. And so y'all know, <laughs> my buddies here give me advice not to go there. But it's a good example. I love you, baby. <laughs> but y'all got out to eat with us. And y'all know that when it comes to her food, my wife can be picky. She can be very picky. And I mess with her. I'm the first one to mess with her at the family table. But the Lord is even in this. And I had to work on it this week. <laughs> because the cultural law that you can't send your food back three, four times. <laughs> that is rude to send your food back three or four times. When I hold that law above the reality that that's my bride and that no matter her quirks or pickiness about her food, I need to speak words of kindness and gentleness and even, and even for her, hey, waiter, this is wrong. You need to, so she don't even have to do it. I can do that for her and love her in that regard. If I, but, but that's, what, that's what we do in, in, in situations like that. We hold the laws, the things, you know, the law that you can't put your elbows on the table. There was maybe some of you back in the day that got yelled at by dad because you put your elbows on the table. But I'm telling you that those laws cannot trump love. And that's what's on the table from the father. But in here, I hope you guys hear what I'm saying, that there, is, that there is an element of freedom that is available at the family table because it brings out some of those weird things about us that are challenging to love sometimes, are challenging to be patient with. Sometimes I got young kids. Sometimes for me, it's very challenging at the family table for me to wait for Micaiah to eat his food when he's walking because we built a little kitchen nook and so he walks around and he will not sit down and eat his food and I get upset I'm not this is one area that I need to work on because I don't exercise patience in that moment and try to connect with what God is doing in him but rather the law that you have to sit down while you eat which is a good law <laughs> to a certain extent. But y'all understand what I'm saying? That, that family table provides an element for us to exercise freedom or, or, or the fruit of the Spirit so that others can be free. So who's at the table? Your neighbor. And no matter what culture your neighbor may be from, no matter what culture, what table you may be at as far as different fruit or whatever like that, it's an opportunity for the fruit of the Spirit to abound, 
for love to take first place. Amen? You guys getting that? So, who else is at the table? You're going to have enemies that sit at your table. Psalms 23.5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I've always looked at that verse from the perspective of I can enjoy a meal in peace even if I'm surrounded by my enemies. I've always looked at it from that perspective. But what if he really means that he provides us an opportunity to serve our enemies from the bounty of our table? From the bounty of the table that he's provided for us. That anger is my enemy. But when anger comes to sit at my table, I serve anger with kindness. I serve anger with kindness. I'm like, you want some? You want some? Come on over here, anger. I got some for you too. <laughs> Young people, when lust comes to sit at your table, you serve lust with love for your future wife, for your future husband. You serve it. So much so that when anger comes to sit at my table, I serve anger with kindness so much until it doesn't even look like anger anymore, but it becomes a part of my family. It's converted. Sitting at my table, my enemies are converted into family at the family table when I serve the fruit of the Spirit. Come on in here, enemies. Not so that I can gloat. He doesn't prepare a table before me so that I can gloat over my enemies. But for, so they can receive of the love. I'm almost wrapped up. I did good on time, man. So Ryan's talked about many times that the word presence in the Old Testament means face, right? So it's interesting to note that among the fixtures of the tabernacle and the temple, we have the Ark of the Covenant, right? We have the lampstand, and then we have the what? Table. What is that? Table. The table of showbread. And we don't really talk about the table too much, right? Because all that was on the table was bread. And the bread just kind of sat there until it was refreshed on the Sabbath by the priest. And the priest ate the old bread. But the bread, the bread just sat there on the table in the holies of holies. But it was not just called bread. It was called presence bread or face bread. Face bread. Jesus is always at the table. 
Jesus is always at the table. Remember the first vision where the table was instrumental in salvation history. Realize here in the holies of holies, there was a table that sat there that only had a piece of bread on it. But that bread pointed to the fact that he would become the bread of life, that he would become the bread of life that was broken for our salvation on a table just sitting there, easily overlooked. Jesus is always at the table. And today, I believe that God is extending an invitation to a holy place centered around the tables of our homes where he is assuring us that he will always be present, where we can have family meals filled with the fruit of the Spirit and marked by his presence. Family meals that mom and dad went to a garden today and they brought something home for the children. They brought something home for the children. And I don't want, I don't feel like this is the expression of this. And even with the whole, what we've been talking about, and I was about to call it a series, but series end. So the home thing that we have talking about is not a series because it's not going to end. This is the shift that the, that the Lord is making right now in the body of Christ calling us to more than just this, this corporate expression, but something that is alive and vibrant in our homes on a daily basis at the simple time of mealtime that can easily be overlooked just like the show, table of showbread in the holies of holies. It can easily be overlooked that I'm sitting down to a meal with my family. But salvation history is being made in that place if you will honor it. And so I'm not saying that you guys, like, again, like you got to have the, the hot meal ready every time. And even, and even Jesus, when it talks about him sitting down to a meal, it meant recline. That's what the word meant when he sat at the table. He reclined. So you may sit on your couch. You may not be at a physical table. You may not even have a physical table at your home. But honoring this place where you turn off the cell phones, where you shut off the TV, and take time. And I'm, like I said, this is something, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be 100. You know, yesterday, so uh, Danica was out, and I was out somewhere, so we were separate places. And uh, she was supposed to be just grabbing something quick and grabbing a bite to eat, but then she decided she wanted to go to Cracker Barrel. Like I said, she, she can be picky. <laughs> she wanted to go to Cracker Barrel, and I was at Lowe's. And, and so I was like, about, with the kids, go ahead, do your thing. You know, so I was going to stay at Lowe's because I had some stuff that I was working on. But the Lord, again, on, it was hard to, to go. I like Lowe's, y'all. I like working on my projects. But the Lord was like, 
go to the table. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be something for me. I know it's going to be something that we have to work on. But this, I believe, 100, that God is on this so much. He's on this so much right now. So, and, if, and if we will take that time and we say no to those things that are priority right now and we honor that table, and we, I did that, and we had a beautiful day of hanging out together all the day long. And me and my wife, God bless us, but, you know, sometimes we're, child, we, we're so passionate <laughs> about different things that, you know, it can be... <laughs> It can be challenging to spend hours upon hours together sometimes. <laughs> but, like I said, yesterday was a beautiful day. And I believe that he honored that because we honored the table. And I believe that in your families, he's going to do this for you. And, and God is going to make shifts in the hearts of your children and your future children. Not only your future children, but... <clears throat> When you're at the table with your homies, at B-dubs, we go to B-dubs. <laughs> you're at the t so young people, you're at the table with, with your friends, hanging out. Honor that. Recognize that Jesus is at the table. Share the fruit of the Spirit, no matter how much that one friend gets on your nerve. <laughs> that one friend, you know, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what the situation is at the table, honor that. Allow him to come and allow him to, again, allow you to speak words from your lungs that are influencing others in a way that you connect with them on a deeper level. Even today, as we're going to be around some tables today, and I believe that God is going to make some connections in deeper levels. So we will honor the table. We'll say yes. And like I said, and even on that vein, I'm going to share this real quick and then I'm going to get out of the way, I think. So like I said, so sometimes we'll hang out with the, with the fellas and stuff like that. So one time we were at B-dubs and we were on the way home. I was with, I, just, I, think, I, thought, I don't know who all was there. I think it was just you, me, and uh, Trent. And, uh, and we were talking about tattoos. And uh, Brian, don't kill me. Uh, like, I'm not trying to influence them to get no tattoos or nothing like that. I'm just saying, I don't even have no tattoos. But, like I said, it was a, maybe around the time that the Lord had highlighted that respiratory tree. And I've got this tattoo that I want to get that is so dope that it's like, I know it's going to cost me a crazy amount of money. I'm going to get, like, my whole back done. Y'all been not, I'm telling you all this, but y'all better not try to steal my idea. You always like, y'all got more money than me. Honestly. But my whole back done. But on my back, have it be almost see-through where you're seeing all of my vital organs. And there's different things that the Lord has showed me about my own heart that I'm going to have on my back. So you're looking, I'm, I'm, Danica, I guess I have to take a picture of it because I don't know how I'm going to see it on my back. But... <laughs> but different things about my vital organs, the lungs. And so he showed me that 
respiratory tree, and he showed me fruit hanging off of it, colorful, beautiful fruit hanging off of it. And so I was sharing that with the boys and telling them, like, one day, one day I'm going to get this bad boy. <laughs> but like I said, even simple moments like that, sharing things that the Lord, weird things that the Lord has done, it takes place at the table, and it's good, it's rich, it's life, and life abundantly, the epicenter of life, right? So, Father, and whoever's coming can come. Thank you for your table, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you give us grace to honor what you're doing, God. The shift that you're making in the body of Christ, God. I just declare right now in the name of Jesus, God, that there will be more epic encounters with you, God, at our family table, God, than we've ever experienced before, Jesus. I just pray, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you restore the family table, God. Restore it as the place, God, that impacts generations to come with faith that moves mountains, God. Restore it, Jesus, as the place that produces trees of life because of the words that are shared, God. I say right now in the name of Jesus, raise up oaks of righteousness, God. Oaks of righteousness, Jesus, from the family table. I thank you, Father, for fathers and mothers that respond to your love, Jesus. Respond to you, God, in the garden so that our homes are blessed, God. We declare, Lord, that as your word says, that our children will be like olive plants around our table, God, producing anointing oil, Jesus, for all they come in contact with, God. Fill us, Jesus, with your fruit, Lord, so that we have plenty to share with our neighbors and even our enemies, Jesus. Thank you, God that whenever bondage tries to come, we can eat and find freedom, God, in your fruit. We honor you, Jesus, for the reality that you dine with us at our family table, Jesus. That we can seek your face, God. We honor you, Jesus, that you place the showbread on the table in the tabernacle to point to your beloved cross, Jesus, We thank you, Jesus, that you made a way that we can experience the holies of holies right in our home, Jesus. Say yes, God. We say yes, Jesus. I'm going to get out the way, but I want to open up the altar specifically for anyone that has never had a table in any regard, has never had someone to speak into their life with positivity, I, I want to open up the altar for, for those that have been eating from that tree with bad fruit.
You've been eating from that tree with bad fruit for years. And by default, serving your family. Serving those that you come in contact with. Serving those that you were called to influence. I want to invite you. Huh. Because we've got some Holy Ghost diggers in here. We've got some Holy Ghost diggers in here that are going to help you uproot that tree. And we've got the gardener. We've got the gardener that will plant within you a tree of life. A tree of life for your family. So Jesus, we honor you. We bless you, God. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us at 1725 Research Drive in Louisville, Kentucky, or online at awakeningky.com.